we present Crawford Logan as Paul Temple and Garda Stevenson as Steve in A Case for Paul Temple, a serial in eight episodes by Francis Durbridge. Episode five, in which Mr. Leyland tells the truth. Paul Temple, the celebrated novelist and private detective, is invited by Sir Graham Forbes, the chief commissioner of Scotland Yard, to investigate the activities of a dope smuggling organization under the leadership of a notorious criminal known simply as Valentine. During the course of certain investigations, Temple makes the acquaintance of a Sir Gilbert Dryden and a Mr. Charles Kelvin. Dryden tells Temple that he suspects that the leader of the organization, Valentine, is a protege of his, a girl called Sheila Baxter. Sheila Baxter is the proprietor of a beauty salon in the West End of London and is known professionally as Madame de Briac. One night, Temple, together with Steve, his wife, visits the San Chow, a Chinese restaurant in Eden Street. To their surprise, Sir Gilbert Dryden is at the restaurant and he is dining with a man for whom both Scotland Yard and Paul Temple have been searching. It is the man that impersonated a certain Captain O'Hara. That's the gentleman I've been looking for. Who is it? It's the man that impersonated O'Hara. Are you sure? Yes. Yes. Now, listen. Listen, Steve. I want you to go outside and get the car. Meet me at the front entrance and keep the engine running. But... Now, darling, please do as I tell you. Yes. Yes, all right. Waiter. Sir? Who's that gentleman talking to Sir Gilbert Dryden? Where, sir? Oh, oh, that's an American gentleman, sir. I'm Mr. Leyland. Well, would you be good enough to tell Mr. Leyland I'd like to see him in the, in the entrance hall? Certainly, sir. Your name? Uh, tell him Mr. Kelvin would like to see him. Mr. Charles Kelvin. Yes, sir. Here we are. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, Mr. Kelvin, you said, sir. That's right, Mr. Kelvin. Oh, and waiter... If you can possibly help it, don't let Sir Gilbert hear what you're saying. Very good, sir. Are you looking for someone, Mr. Leyland? Yeah, the waiter said that... Uh, that uh... Remember me? It's a small world, isn't it? Captain O'Hara. <laughs> what do you mean? Is this some kind of a joke? Because if it is, I... Uh, what? What's that you've got in your pocket? What does it look like, Mr. Leyland? Well, it, it looks like a revolver. And that's precisely what it is. What do you want me to do? I want you to turn round, walk straight out of here, and get in my car. I'm just supposing... Yes? Just supposing I don't walk straight out of here, Mr. Temple. Then you'll be carried out, Mr. Leyland. On a stretcher. I'm sorry to keep you waiting, ma'am, but... Oh, gracious me, Mr. Temple, is that a revolver? That's all right, Mary. Just, just go back to the kitchen for a moment. Yes. Yes, Mrs. Temple. Go through to the lounge, Mr. Leyland. On your left. Hmm. Nice place you got here. We like it. Very nice. 
And they say crime doesn't pay. Ah, but I only write about it, Mr. Leyland. Yeah. You know, I got a hunch that isn't a revolver in your pocket after all, Mr. Temple. Have you? Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Oh. Would you like me to prove to you that it's loaded? No. No, I'll take your word for it. Good. Sit down, Mr. Leyland. Take the armchair. Yeah, I'm okay. Do you mind if I ask you why exactly you brought me back here? I brought you back here, Mr. Leyland, because I wanted to have a little chat with you. <laughs> a little chat. Is that so? Well, before the tete-a-tete, do you mind if I have a drink? Go ahead. Mix yourself one. Thanks. <laughs> a little chat. Mr. Temple, you have a sense of humor. I also have a .25 automatic pistol, Mr. Leyland, so if I were you, I shouldn't come too near. <laughs> that? Okay. Okay. Skull. Skull. Mr. Temple, tell me, just to what extent do you think I'm mixed up in this business? Supposing you tell me, Mr. Leyland. Well, now, supposing I do. Will you believe me? We shall see, Mr. Leyland. We shall see. Okay. I'll tell you how I fit into this business, Mr. Temple. I'll tell you, so far as I'm concerned, exactly how the whole business started. Two days ago... About half past 11 in the morning, I was sitting in my flat with a first-class hangover and a jug of black coffee when suddenly, to my surprise, I heard the doorbell ringing. I don't like visitors at that time of the day, so... Take it easy. Take it easy, brother. Mr. Leyland? Yeah? My name is Kelvin. Charles Kelvin. May I come in, Mr. Leyland? What can I lose? Your name has been suggested to me by an old friend of yours, Mr. Leyland, a certain Snipey Jackson. Oh, Snipey Jackson. Don't tell me they've let that guy out again. <laughs> May I sit down? Sure, sure, make yourself at home. You wouldn't like a first-class hangover? Uh, not just at the moment, Mr. Leyland. <sighs> well, what can I do for you? How would you like to earn 200 pounds, Mr. Leyland, in a quarter of an hour? Okay. Let's have it. Your friend, Mr. Jackson, informs me that you are able to impersonate people to, what shall we say, pass yourself off as an entirely different personality. My friend, Mr. Jackson, talks too much. However, go on. Tonight, Mr. Leyland, I would like you to visit a public house in Limehouse called the Marquis of Bood and introduce yourself to a certain Mr. Paul Temple as Captain O'Hara, Captain Michael Sean Doherty O'Hara, skipper of the Simon Lee. Go on. Mr. Temple will ask you a number of questions. He will ask you, for instance, what exactly you know about a person called Valentine. In answer to that question, you will tell him a story. A rather interesting but purely fictitious story about a certain Sir Gilbert Dryden, about a woman in Amsterdam, about a mysterious parcel, and about an address in Estonia Avenue. In other words, I meet this guy, Temple, introduce myself as this Captain O'Hara, and tell him exactly what you want me to tell him. That's right, Mr. Leyland. Uh, what's he like to look at? O'Hara, I mean. Oh, don't worry about your appearance. Temple has never met O'Hara. Just be Irish. Excitable. You know the type. Ah, uh, to be sure, I know the type backwards. It's Captain O'Hara you be wanting. You can have the gentleman. <laughs> Excellent, Mr. Leyland. 
Excellent. Well, if it's that good, brother, it'll cost you 250. Well, there you are. That's the whole story. I turned up at the Marquis of Bude, dished out the Captain O'Hara Act, and boy, I bet you fell for it. Indeed, yes, Mr. Leyland. In fact, my wife and I went so far as to visit 479 Estonia Avenue. <laughs> no kidding. And do you know what we found at 479 Estonia Avenue, Mr. Leyland? No. We found the dead body of the real Captain O'Hara. What? I, I don't believe it. You're kidding. What was this man, Charles Kelvin, like? Well, he was about 28 or 9, dark. Good-looking sort of guy, I guess. He spoke with an accent. Yes, yes, that's Kelvin. Mr. Temple, was that on the level about the real Captain O'Hara? Yes. What happened to him? Don't you know? No. No, oh, no, I swear I don't. He was murdered. Murdered? Gee. Gee, now, now, now don't get me wrong. I'm no soft-hearted lily. Play a guy for a sucker, that's okay, that's fine. But, but murder? Murder? That's a different kettle of fish. Mr. Leyland, tell me... Why did you meet Sir Gilbert Dryden tonight at the San Chow? Well, that's the other side of the story, Mr. Temple. You see... Say, but just a minute. When that waiter spoke to me in the restaurant, he said, there's a Mr. Kelvin would like to see you, sir, in the entrance hall. That's right. I told him to say that. You did? Yes. You see, Mr. Leyland, I knew that if I said the name Temple, you wouldn't want to see me. And secondly... Yeah? Secondly, I just wondered if by any chance the name Charles Kelvin meant anything to you. Well, it did. And now you know why it did. Yes. I take it that you'd heard of Kelvin before. Yes, I'd I... heard of Mr. Kelvin. Okay. Well, now I'll tell you the rest of my story. In other words, why I met Sir Gilbert Dryden tonight. The first time I met this guy was exactly 24 hours ago. Last night? Yeah, I popped into the San Chao for a bite to eat at about, uh, about a quarter after seven. And... Alone? No, I had a dame with me, Maisie Bell. What a name and what a gal. Hey, she could talk. She started at five minutes past seven, and at ten minutes to eight, she hadn't even changed gears. So I said to Alice, I said, my God, crikey, Alice, is the first dress I've had in six months. I mean, you can hardly expect it. Are you listening? Sure, sure. We could hardly expect a girl in my position, I said, to go about in rags. My goodness gracious me, Alice, I said. It isn't as if I had alimony pouring in on me from the four corners of the earth. And <clears> then... <throat> Excuse me, sir. Hmm? Oh, uh, what is it? Uh, the gentleman in the corner says he would appreciate it if you could spare him a few moments, sir. Where? Which gentleman? In the corner, sir. Oh. Who is he? Do you know? It's Sir Gilbert Dryden, sir. Oh. Okay, okay, tell him I'll be right over. But just a minute. No funny business. What do you mean? But I don't want to be stuck with a check. Don't be silly. Okay, waiter. I got your message. What's it all about? Mr. Leyland? Yeah? My name is Dryden. Sir Gilbert Dryden. Won't you sit down, Mr. Leyland? Thanks. I'm sorry if I interrupted a tete-a-tete, but... Uh, oh, excuse me. Um, would you care for a cigar? Well, thanks. I called at your flat, Mr. Leyland, but the porter said that you were out. Oh, this, <laughs> this is rather a lucky coincidence. Yeah? I can see that you don't entirely trust me, Mr. Leyland. Shall we get to the point? 
I'm told that for a certain consideration you do a very remarkable impersonation of a certain Captain O'Hara. Who told you that? Mr. Kelvin. Go on. I, um, I'd like to put a proposition to you, Mr. Leyland, but I find myself in rather a difficult position. What is the proposition? Well... Listen, you can set your mind at rest, brother. If the proposition doesn't interest me, I shall forget it. <laughs> I see you get the point. Well, briefly, Mr. Leyland, the proposition is this. In the early hours of Saturday morning, that's uh, the day after tomorrow, an aeroplane will arrive from the continent. It will land at a quiet, secluded spot near, well, near a certain village in Sussex. The pilot of the aeroplane will have a package, a large and rather important package, Mr. Leyland, he has agreed to hand that package over to, to Captain O'Hara. And you want me to be Captain O'Hara? If you please, Mr. Leyland. Has this guy, the airplane guy, ever seen the real Captain O'Hara? Mm, once, a long time ago, but that shouldn't present any difficulties. It'll be quite dark when the plane arrives. So far as you are concerned, it will simply mean a brief conversation with the pilot and the handing over of the package. Then what do I do? Bring the package back to London? No. You'll um, simply deliver it to an address in the village. I see. But tell me, why can't the real Captain O'Hara... The real Captain O'Hara is regrettably indisposed. Okay. How much? What did Mr. Kelvin pay you? Three fifty. <laughs> he paid you two fifty, Mr. Leyland. However, on this occasion, as you say, it shall be three fifty. Okay. It's a deal. Then meet me here tomorrow night, and I'll give you your instructions. At, uh, 8 o'clock? At 8 o'clock, Mr. Leyland. And that's the truth, Mr. Temple. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. So if you don't believe me, brother, it's just too bad. I believe you, Leyland. But listen. When the waiter came across to you tonight and said that I wanted, or rather Mr. Kelvin wanted, to see you in the entrance hall, did Sir Gilbert hear him? No. Are you sure of that? I don't think he did. You see, we'd more or less finished our conversation anyhow, and I was just about to leave conversation hadn't lasted very long, Mr. Leyland. I thought you were going to have dinner together. Not that I know of. He simply handed me this envelope and said, you'll find your instructions inside, Mr. Leyland. Have you opened the envelope? <laughs> now I ask you, what chance have I had to open the envelope with that howitzer of yours staring me in the face? Okay, we'll dispose of the automatic. There's a map in here by the look of things. Uh, I don't see any sign of the 350. Hello, what's this? The plane will land at approximately 2.30 a.m. at the spot marked on the enclosed map. Take the package and deliver it immediately. And deliver it immediately to St. Nicholas Brasham. Do you know the place? Fairly well. It's near Windlesea. There's a stretch of sand over on the other side of Brasham. I bet a fiver that's where the plane's going to land. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Look, look, you can see it marked on the map. Now, listen. You go straight through the village of Brasham for about a mile and a half. On the left-hand side, facing the sea, you'll see the sand dunes. The place where the plane's due to land is about 300 yards up on the right. You can't mistake it. It's the only possible... Uh, I say, just a minute, brother. Just a minute. You still want me to go through with this business? Yes. I want you to collect the package from the plane and deliver it to St. Nicholas. But what is St. Nicholas? I don't know. But I should imagine that the gentleman who hands over the package will probably put you wise on that point. Yeah, you know, I'm not so sure that I want to go through with this proposition. If anything happens to me and your friends from Scotland Yard... My friends from Scotland Yard won't interfere with you, Mr. Leyland. All you have to do is pick up the package from the plane, deliver it, and collect the 350. Okay. 
Okay, if you say so, Mr. Temple. What is it, Steve? Paul. Sheila Baxter's just arrived, and she seems to be in rather a state about something. Sheila Baxter? Yes, she's in the dining room. All right. All right, Steve. Oh, and darling, mm -hmm. uh, ring through to Sir Graham for me. You've got the private number. Tell him I want to see him at the yard in 20 minutes. In 20 minutes? Yes. Well, uh, I'll beat it. Good night, Temple. I guess we'll meet again pretty soon. Paul, what's happening? Is Mr. Leyland... I'll explain later, Steve. Now, don't forget, Leyland. Play the whole thing perfectly straight, just the way they want it. Mm -hmm. It should take you about two hours to get down to Brasham. So I should leave town. Hello, Miss Baxter. I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. I feel I'm making an awful nuisance of myself. Nothing of the sort. Of course you're not making a nuisance of yourself. Hello, hasn't Steve given you a drink? Mr Temple, please listen to me. When I left here tonight and went back to my flat, I had a strange, rather uncomfortable sort of feeling. I felt that... Yes? I felt that somehow you didn't believe me. Didn't believe you, Miss Baxter? I mean that you didn't believe my story about Sir Gilbert. Is that why you came back here? Because... No. No, I... I came back here because... There's something I ought to have told you. About Sir Gilbert? No. No, about myself. Well? Mr Temple, you know what happened tonight? You know what happened downstairs when I got out of the lift? Yes. Well, I wasn't entirely taken by surprise. What do you mean? I mean that for days, for days now, I've thought that something like that might happen. That's why I've been so nervous, so jumpy, so... Why should you think that something like that might happen? Because... Well? Because almost everywhere I go, there's someone following me. At first, I wouldn't believe it. I, I just wouldn't believe it. I thought I was imagining things, but... This afternoon, I went shopping. He followed me, the same man. I'm sure I wasn't imagining things, Mr. Temple. I saw him. I saw him quite distinctly when I stepped in front of a shop window. And you think that it was this man that attacked you here tonight? Well, I... I think it must have been. I mean, he must have been waiting for me downstairs, near the elevator. What did he look like, the man that followed you this afternoon? Well, I'm not very good at describing people. He was tall, stout, rather an untidy individual. He had a brown overcoat, and I believe he carried a pair of dirty wash-leather gloves. Did he stoop slightly and walk rather... rather aimlessly? Yes. Yes, he did. Well, I hardly think that he attacked you, Miss Baxter. Why? Why, do you know this man? Yes, yes, I know him. His name's Weatherby. He's a superintendent at Scotland Yard. I'm not so sure about Steve coming along with this, Temple. It seems to me that if by any chance those people There's get There's no held... argument about it, Sir Graham. I'm coming. Besides, I know the Bresham district a hundred times better than you people. I was at school there for two years. Yes, yes, my Timothy, I forgot all about that. Well, darling, do you remember a place called St Nicholas? St Nicholas? What sort of a place? Well, I don't know. There used to be a house called St Nicholas. Where? It was over on the far side of Bresham, not far from a village called Kenverton. Well, that sounds like the place, Temple. Yes. What sort of a place was it, Steve? Oh, very large. The house stood in a kind of 
park. I, I should say the park must have been 30 or 40 acres. Who did it belong to? Can you remember? Well, in those days, it used to belong to a man called Leroy, Arthur Leroy. But I doubt very much whether it still does. What is it, Peters? I'm leaving now, sir. Right. Good night, Mrs Temple. I expect we shall meet later. Good night, Major. You know what to do, Peters, if anything goes wrong. Don't worry, Sir Graham. Nothing's going to go wrong. Not this time. Oh, uh, what about the superintendent, sir? A Weatherby's following behind. Yourself and Turner in the first car, Mr and Mrs Temple and myself in the second, and then Weatherby. Oh. Oh, I see. Right. Good night, sir. Good night, Peters. Uh, there's no doubt in your mind about the district, Major. Well, there's a very big doubt, Mr Temple. In fact, I haven't the foggiest idea where the place is. Then how on earth do you hope to find it if you have Sergeant Turner knows it, Mrs Temple. He knew the exact spot where the plane's likely to land the moment I mentioned Bration. Good. Oh. Well, see you later, sir. Well, I suppose we'd better get down, Temple. Hmm. Are you driving, Temple, or would you like one of our drivers to do Steve's the... driving, Sir Graham. It's her car. I'm just leaving, Sir Graham. Oh. Oh, we're just coming down, Weatherby. Oh, good evening, Mrs Temple. Uh, good evening, sir. Good evening, Superintendent. Hello, Weatherby. I was talking to quite a friend of yours this evening. Oh, indeed, Mr Temple? Madame de Briac. Madame de Briac? Oh, oh you mean Miss Baxter? That's the young lady Mr. Calvin works for. Yes. Hmm. I've been keeping my eye on that young lady. Yes. Yes, so I hear, Superintendent. Come along, Steve. What was that last place we went through? I think it must have been Stonedale Temple. I noticed no, a signpost about... No, it wasn't Stonedale, Sir Graham. We don't go through Stonedale, not oh. this way. Slow down, darling. We've plenty of time. Is that clock right? No, it's about a quarter of an hour fast. It's just gone half past one. How far do you reckon we've got to go, Steve? About another 15 miles or so, Sir Graham. If I remember rightly, there's a bridge about two or three hundred yards further on. You seem to have left Weatherby behind, all right. I noticed his headlights about ten minutes ago, just before we went through the village. Yes. Yes, so did I. You can tell we're getting near the sea. Yes. Is this Weatherby? Where? There's a car coming up behind, isn't there? I don't think so. Well, if there is, he hasn't got any lights. I thought I heard something. No, no, I don't think so. Yes. Yes, I think there is a car, Temple. Well, he must have switched his lights out. Silly ass. Is it Weatherby? Oh, no, it's not Weatherby. Although it's difficult to see. Well, here's the bridge. I'd better slow up. Or I... Oh, look out! He's passing! Pull over, darling. Look out! Damn fool! What's he trying to do? Hold on, Steve. Hold right. Don't let him force you over. He's, he's trying to force us over the bridge. Hold on, Steve. Hold on. Now, quickly, quickly. Let him have it. Let him have it. Oh. oh! My God! He's going over the top! Break! 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 Steve! Oh. 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 Are you all right, Steve? Uh, yes, I'm all right. We've got to be careful how we get out of here, Temple. We're halfway over the parapet already. Yes. I think you'd better get out first, Temple. Yes. It's all right. The car's wedged against the wall. I'll give you a hand, Steve. 
Now, be careful. Can you manage, Steve? Yes. Now, take it steady. That's it. Here's Weatherby. Oh, Paul. Look at the other car. Look. You can see the driver. He's... Yes, darling, don't look. Are you feeling all right, Steve? Yes. Yes, don't worry. I'm okay. Oh, Sir Graham, what happened? What the devil happened? Weatherby, listen. Go down to the other car. You can see where the driver is from here. If he's not too badly hurt, get him up here onto the bridge. Check his identity and then contact our local people. Yes, very good, sir. I'm afraid we've got to take your car, Weatherby. Ready, Temple? Yes, I'm ready, Sir Graham. Good. Come along, Steve. We've still got to get to Bresham. Are you sure this is the right road? Yes, it must be, Sir Graham. Well, I'm not so sure, Temple. What do you think, Steve? Yes, we're all right, Sir Graham. Carry on, darling, straight on. Look, there's the sand dunes. Oh, yes. Seems hours since we left Weatherby. Wonder if Weatherby was able to identify the. What is it? What is it, Temple? I thought I saw a light on the road. Is it? There it is. Somebody's flashing a torch. He's standing in the middle of the road, darling. Oh, it's Peter's. It's Peter's Temple. Hello, Peter's. Hello, Sir Graham. Hello, Mr. Temple. You're rather later than I expected, sir. Yes. We had an accident. Have you seen Leyland? Uh, no, sir. I haven't seen Leyland, but... Uh... But what? What's happened, Peters? Well, the plane's here, sir. It was here when we arrived. When you arrived? Yes. There's something queer, Mr. Temple. Something damn queer about the whole business. What do you mean? Well, the plane was here on the sand. It looked all right. Perfectly all right. Just as if he'd made a perfect landing. But... But we found the pilot in the cockpit, sir. He's in a terrible condition. Just as if he's been beaten up or something. Is he there now? Yes, sir. Come along. Let's have a look at him. Yeah, I don't think I'd bring Mrs. Temple, sir. No. No, you stay here, Steve. In the car. Yes. Yes, all right, darling. Here we are. Good evening, Sergeant. Good evening, sir. It's a nice-looking plane, Temple. Mm. All right, Peters. Let's have a look at the pilot. He's still in the cockpit, sir, because I'm afraid we haven't been able to move him. Oh, my God, poor fellow. Sir Graham, I'm afraid this isn't the pilot. Isn't the pilot? What do you mean? Then who the hell is it? It's Mr. Leyland. You have been listening to the fifth episode of A Case for Paul Temple, a serial in eight episodes by Francis Durbridge, with Crawford Logan as Paul Temple and Gerda Stevenson as Steve. Others taking part were Richard Greenwood, Melody Grove, Robin Lang, Eliza Langland, Michael McKenzie, Greg Powery, Gareth Thomas and Nick Underwood. The production for the BBC was by Patrick Rayner.